0: The next person I interviewed was a thin, lean, athletic 50-year-old woman wearing a head wrap which hid a bald scalp but not the absent eyebrows on her pale face. She had first been diagnosed with node-negative estrogen receptor-positive breast cancer at age 37 and received a lumpectomy, radiation therapy to the breast, and tamoxifen. Towards the end of her fifth year of treatment, at age 42, she was diagnosed with cancer recurrence in the breast and surrounding skin, and this was felt to be surgically unresectable. During the last eight years, she's received a variety of endocrine treatments, chemotherapy agents, and the anti-VEGF agent Bevacizumab. The disease currently is present in multiple bones, the liver, and lungs. When we met for the interview, she arrived with a woman of about the same age who told me she was the patient's dearest friend and asked if she could observe the interview from the back of the studio. As the patient told her story, I noticed silent tears pouring down the face of her friend, who I later invited to the microphone. But more of that later. To begin, the patient describes her life at first diagnosis some years ago.
1: I used to be a dental hygienist until my eldest son was born. I've had small jobs in between. I'm very athletic, and I love to be outside, so I was a director of a camp. I was volunteering forever in my kid's school, so I don't work. In between everything, I've lost my parents, and I was in a bad marriage to begin with, so got divorced.
0: Your kid's father?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Does he see them?
1: Yes, actually, he does. He actually moved into the same development that I live in. Actually, he's getting married in a couple of days, so that's about that. I chose poorly, because I would love to have had more children, but not with that man. Right. So I chose poorly. Yeah. And he was not helpful to me at all. He was a very selfish man. And if it weren't for my village and my family and my sense of self, I don't think I'd still be here. I had no support from him whatsoever.
0: Who's in your village?
1: Who's in my village? I'm very lucky. My girlfriend, Jerry, who's sitting with me right now, who actually is my sister, but technically not. I'm adopted, so we could be sisters, but we don't think so because her mother wasn't pregnant when I was born. (laughs) But I have a very healthy group of people around me, of girlfriends and their husbands, whom I can go to for different things that I need. I need my friend for this, and I need another friend for that. And Jerry, of course, runs the gamut.
0: What about your kids? What's going on with them?
1: Well, they're teenage boys. I've been tag team for about three, four years with them. If it's not one, it's another. I personally believe that when everything is okay with my kids, I'm okay. I've had some traumatic things with my kids, nothing health-wise. But they've taken me through the paces, being out at night, not knowing where they are. And like I said, they don't do it at the same time. But one is stable, and then the other decides to do whatever. I really get no help from their dad, and it affects me very much physically. So I think the cancer is my Achilles heel. I think that when I'm heartsick or under a lot of stress, my body just reacts in that way, which is quite funny because I've always been a very strong person and a very healthy person growing up. So it's really weird to have to deal with this.
0: Can you talk a little bit about how this whole experience over all these years you think has affected you and who you are, how you think, what you do?
1: Well, it hasn't stopped me from doing anything I want to do. So I'll tell you that. My therapy is not within a group. My therapy is to be outside. So I water ski, I snow ski, I hike, I walk five miles a day. I'll do whatever I can do. I play tennis. When I'm tired, I just, you know, relax. So as far as stopping me from that, no. I think I came out of the womb kind of tough, without meaning to be. I'm very blunt. What is in my head is usually on my tongue as long as I know that it's not going to hurt anybody with what it is that I would say. So I'm not rough around the edges, but I'm very specific and I'm very strong. And what this experience has done to me is it has made me more strong. It has made me tougher. I think God doesn't give you what you can't handle. I think that it's definitely given me a ton of humility. I was brought up very well. I did not have a hard life. I had a blessed life with my sister and my parents. I traveled everywhere, and it's definitely given me more of a dose of humility than I thought that I would ever receive. And recently it has made me more selfish, and I don't have a selfish bone in my body, but recently it has made me more selfish, and I think that's got to do with my age along with my experiences through my health.
0: Have you been in contact or talked to a lot of the patients at Dr. Vogel's office or you kind of keep to yourself? I
1: keep to myself. Mostly my sister comes with me and we, you know, do stupid things and chit chat. I do on occasion speak to somebody, but I rarely start it up. I don't like to hear anybody else's problems. I don't need to hear anybody else's problems. And it's just... Cancer, to me, is a very unique disease. It's the same word for everybody, but just like your fingerprint, it just manifests itself so differently. And it's kind of frustrating that, you know, there are no answers out there. It's very frustrating that you get a doctor to say, you make up your mind. It's your decision to make. And, you know, okay, with an abortion, I can see that, but give me something definite So when I speak to another patient, and they've got this, and they've got that, and it's just, you know, I don't want to hear their mishigas. I don't want to hear. I keep to myself.
0: Anything you might say to a woman who's kind of just getting started with what you've already been through, particularly Mm -hmm. in terms of these last couple years?
1: I would tell them, well, it's something to do. (laughs) It's something to do. It's something to go through. You can't appreciate the good unless you've got some bad. To me, the glass is always, always, always full, half full, a quarter full. I don't care if there's that much in it. You know, just take it, relax, do what you need to do, just go for it.
0: Do you have any recollection of whether you had any symptoms or problems with the Avastin?
1: No. The only time I do have a tremendous reaction is when I get an injection of the aranesp for my red blood cell count when I have the chemo, and then the next day when I'm on that week delay, I will get an injection of Nulasta. Those two together, it could be that day or as many as three days out from me getting that, will give me incredible, incredible bone pain. To the point, and I'm a tough cookie. Where I'm crying.
0: Where do you feel it?
1: You know how you feel your heartbeat? Mm-hmm. Ba boom, ba boom, mm-hmm. ba boom. The pain radiates, starting in my spine to my entire body. Ba boom, pain. Ba boom, mm. pain, 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 mm. pain, 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 pain. Like that lasts for about four hours to five hours is the most to the point where I need to take hydrocodone, mm. and then it hurts so badly I'm laughing. Because it's hysterical that something can hurt so badly. It's ridiculous. And then I know it's going to go away. So it goes away. Mm. So we just kind of chill. I do want to add something it's not necessarily the message, but the messenger. So you know how they say, don't kill the messenger? Mm -hmm. I think at some times it's kill the messenger. Really? Yes. Can you talk
0: a little more about that? Yes.
1: Another physician that was in practice, in the practice that I was going to, gave me the results in the hallway.
0: Which results were these?
1: The fact that my cancer had spread to my bones. So here I am. This is the first
0: time you found out about that?
1: Yes. The first time was... In the hallway, before we even got to the room, and she's got my scans with her, and she's laughing. She says, oh, you are never going to want to see me again because all I have to tell you is bad news. Wow. Wow. Well, I will tell you, that put me in a tailspin for about four months. What was going
0: through your head that was making you feel in a tailspin? How
1: dare she? You're angry. How dare she present me with that? In that manner, I was
0: fuming. How do you deal with that?
1: I've spoken to a therapist every now and then when I needed one, but mostly I just find it's from me. I mean, my therapist will give me tools to maybe try to deal with this problem or that problem, but basically it's got to come from your head. That's how I deal with it. That's a crap sandwich, and I deal with it because I know, you know, the sun comes up and the moon comes out. It's a good day. And I want to be around. You never know when the Mack truck is coming. And I don't mean to use all these stupid euphemisms, but it's like, who knows? But sure. I've got this. I was dealt it. I'm not happy about it. I wish I didn't have it. It's a pain in the ass. I can't date like this. <laughs> you know, it's interfering with my life, but it's something for me to do. But it's frightening. It's frightening.
0: Were you dating before this?
1: I'm dating now. He's sticking by me, and that's great. And he has boats. I go water skiing, and he's an expert snow skier, So we snow ski, and we travel, and we eat well.
0: How long have you known him?
1: On and off for three years.
0: Hmm.
1: On and off for three years. It's very interesting to have to tell people this. And for me, it's like when you're there and you're going to be intimate with somebody, there's just no hiding what went on with you. Most people, you know, you don't see their scars. The man that I married had huge scars, but they were on the inside. I didn't see them. I didn't know them until Mm. really things got going. People like us, we're right out there. You see what's going on with us. We have to be honest with you. So it's just different.
0: How have you been feeling these last couple of years?
1: I can't stand being on the bad side of the statistics, I do not read anything about statistics. Dr. Vogel knows, and everybody around me knows, that nobody has the right to tell me to get my affairs in order. And for a long time, when I would come back with the results of my tests, I wouldn't go by myself, and I would walk out of the room. I didn't want to know. All I needed Dr. Vogel to tell me was, we need to change your treatment, because that's all I could handle. So how have I felt these few years? I've grown up a little bit, and now I can go by myself to Dr. Vogel and hear what it is that I need to hear. So it's made me grow up a little bit. It's just always growing.
0: Supposedly we're all supposed to.
1: Yeah. And I can't stand it. And I have to take a Xanax before I go.
0: Mm.
1: I don't like not being in control. And maybe that's why I'm such a hard ass, because I can try to control the things that I want to that I can. It's unusual. It's different. But this is my life. And I say jokingly to my girlfriend, Jerry, that before I was born, I told the powers that be, you know, give me what you got this time around. And I'll show you what I can do with it. That's how I feel. That's the inner core of me. You give me something and I'll show you what I can do.
0: It was at this point that I asked the patient's tearful friend to join her at the microphone.
1: So proud of her.
0: Oh, come up here and you want to talk about it?
1: And I have nothing. It's so funny (laughs) to see that because I don't think, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? If (laughs) If somebody else were handed the same thing, what are you going to do? I find it funny that she's saying this because, to me, it's like there's no other way to be. Right. You can't...
0: Well, you can always shrivel up and not <laughs> bite, but that's not the way it's going to be.
1: No. And to me, it's like that doesn't exist.
0: How often do you all see each other?
1: Well, we're on the phone just about every day. Or um,
0: more than once a day.
1: Yeah. I use Jerry, and I use the word use. I need Jerry. <laughs> We all use and need people. She helps me with my kids. Her daughters are the exact. We were pregnant, pregnant together at the same time. Our daughters. So how long uh, have
2: you known each other? Almost twenty five years.
1: Yes, and so we met before we were even married because our friends were mutual. So Jerry has the girls, and I have the boys who are the exact same age.
2: Like a week apart. We right.
1: And so they're just driving. You know, we when didn't they- have
2: sex together.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nor did we plan it. Really, we it just kind live. of happened that way. But I need her. I have a sister. But I cannot speak to my sister. My sister is very judgmental. Jerry is not. That's about the beginning (laughs) and the end of it.
0: Judgmental about what?
1: Anything and everything. And so with Jerry, I can be myself, and she'll yell at Mm -hmm. me if I need the yelling at, and vice versa. And vice
2: versa. It's an incredible. You know, I have a sister, too, and it's just not the same. And I work... So it's a little difficult for us to see each other like Lucy and Ethel kinda every day kind of right, thing. But right. we try I mean, I would say we see each other probably about once a week, but we talk at least once a day. Other than when she was just in Europe, which is when we didn't talk, we talked to each other all the time. We've always been close. Even mm-hmm. when we first got married, I lived on Miami Beach, she lived down in Kendall, and we still would make plans to do stuff with the kids and Their friendship has grown. I actually lost both of my parents to cancer, to lung cancer. So, you know, I have a little bit of experience with it, and I am her cheerleader, but I'm also the first one to say, you know, do we need to go to Sloan? Or I'm the one that goes on the websites to find out when she tells me she's on the Zomeda. I'm the one that goes on and looks it up. So I kind of like have it in the back of my head not to tell her, but I want to know so in case she has a question or she's going through something that I can sort of understand, okay, this is sort of what it is. From time to time, I've had to say, look, this is the cutting edge. And it's interesting, the thing what she said about the going with the Dr. Vogel to get the results of the scans, and it happens a lot because she gets the scans a lot. So we got to get the results of the scans. And we played this game for her 50th birthday, which was the first week in June, because her sister couldn't go and I couldn't go either. So I said, why don't you give yourself a 50th birthday present and go by yourself? And then we talked it through, and I said, the worst that's going to happen is he's going to say that we're going to have to switch the treatment. And the worst is that, God forbid, it's come up somewhere else, which you've heard before. So why not... Do that for yourself and prove to yourself that you can do it. And son of a gun, she did. So these are the kinds of things that I try to do for her to get her, you know, a little bit of the fear out of it. I have to tell you, it takes a lot out of me (laughs) to do it because I love her so much. But I think that she is tough. And I think that that's part of being a partner like this. I consider myself her partner.